This is our final week in our Stories from the Seats series. I've heard a lot of feedback from folks like you um, on our different campuses uh, about what these weeks have meant for them. So why do we do this? Well, I want to read you uh, an email that we got this week from somebody. Well, I'll let it speak for itself. Hello there in Iowa. My aunt in Minnesota just sent me a link to watch the stories from the seats from Ida and Mary Ellen, the video that we showed last week. Because Mary Ellen Meyer is my grandmother. Wow, is all I can adequately say at this moment through tears. What powerful stories and testimonies from both of these incredible women leaders. I don't know many of these stories. I did not know many of these stories from my grandmother. But how powerful to hear the faith in her retelling these stories. I'm in Delaware. And I can't say I was raised in the church or had much exposure growing up. However, I'm blessed and proud to say that my three young children and I were baptized last July. I'm not exactly sure how we found our way to this church where we were baptized in this new family. But I'm guessing my grandmother's unwavering faith was instilled somewhere deep inside, leading the way. My point in this email is to say thank you. Thank you for sharing these two ladies' stories in such a beautiful way and for honoring their contributions to the church. What a beautiful church family you seem to have. That was sweet. That was sweet to get that this past week. I asked her if it would be okay to to share that. Um, And she said, oh, please, if it can add to or help in any way. The reason why we do this is because we believe in listening and hearing the stories of other people how God is at work in their hearts and their lives that we come to see how God is at work in our own lives. So this morning, Amber Hagen is going to share her story. Come on up. Um, we were in Waverly last week together, had a great time there. So I'm very happy that you can share your story. I'll let you introduce yourself Perfect. to everybody. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you, Doug. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. My name is Amber Hagen, and I am a full-time speech-language pathologist at Central Rivers Area Education Agency, which means that I get the privilege of providing speech and language therapy services to a handful of different schools in the area. I'm also on volunteer staff for BASIC, which is our young adult ministry here at Orchard. Uh, This means I get paid in pizza instead of money, and I get to spend quality time with some really great humans on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Um, Jesus has done quite a bit of healing in my life, and so I'm going to share my story in a little bit of a different way. I am going to start by explaining my family dynamic. I will then share some information that will hopefully make me sound a little bit more human. I will explain how my relationship with Jesus has transformed over time, and I will finish up with my why, why I live my life the way that I do. So, let's get started. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Okay, whiteboard time. So, uh, me, I was born on November 11th, 1996. That makes me 26, for those of you who care to know age. Uh, My biological parents are Rick and Lisa Hagen. Uh, About three weeks before my second birthday, 
my biological mom, Lisa, passed away from ovarian cancer. Um, my dad remarried two years later to this wonderful woman named Terry. She's here this morning. I promise I would not point her out. Uh, and I will refer, I've known her since I was like two. So when I talk about my mom, I'm talking about Terry. She's wonderful and super amazing. Uh, and I will refer to Lisa as my biological mom. Now my mom, Terry, had two boys from a previous marriage, Matt and Brett. Matt is also here this morning. He told me not to give him a shout out and I said, I'm gonna have the microphone so you don't get to have an opinion about that one. <laughs> and Matt and Brett are both married and they have two kids each. Uh, and Matt, like I said, is here this morning and I think Brett's watching online, so how exciting. Um, now when I was growing up, my dad was an alcoholic, so my parents actually got divorced when I was in sixth grade. Um, and custody, custody stuff was super messy. Um, I had to go live with my dad full time, um, but I still stayed with my mom pretty regularly. In the summer between eighth and ninth grade, I came home one day from staying at my mom's house and my dad was too drunk to go to work that day, so he was asleep on the couch. And when he woke up, he was angrier than I had ever seen him before. Um, I had never been scared of my dad, but I was very scared of him in this moment. So when I tried to leave, he wanted to stop me from leaving and accidentally slammed my hand in the door. Uh, and I don't remember much of the rest of that day or that night, but I do vividly remember going down to the police station uh, the next day to file a restraining order against him for the next two years. And because custody stuff was still very messy, I was not allowed to go and live with my mom. So I had to go live with my cousin Brandy and her daughter Zoe. And they are very kind to let me live with them for a while. In ninth grade, though, a little bit later, um, I finally got to go and stay with my mom full time because she was granted legal guardianship of me. So life finally started to feel a little bit more normal. Well, as normal as like weekly visits from family services, monthly visits from Department of Human Services, and a few visits to the courthouse can feel for a high school girl. Fast forward to junior year of high school. I had just gotten home from a Wednesday night small group across town. Um, my brother Matt and his wife Casey were at my mom's house waiting for me when I got home, as well as Brandy and Zoe. I walked inside and my mother had informed me that my dad had died by suicide. The first thing I remember saying was at least he can't hurt anybody anymore. Then I fell into my mom's arms and I sobbed until my body was too exhausted to stay awake anymore. My world was shaken. I was utterly heartbroken and overwhelmed with feelings that I could not even begin to process. But I went to school the next day. Actually, I only missed one day of school for my dad's funeral. I was determined to not stand out as the kid whose dad had died. And I was really successful. Uh, I kept it all at bay. So much so that by the time I graduated, less than 10 people in that building knew what was going on in my life. I was not in the place to grieve yet. I needed to continue being that fun, 
outgoing, driven, and ambitious person that everyone knew me to be. And I just didn't want to create space to figure out what I was experiencing because I was not ready yet. In 2015, I graduated high school and started attending UNI. I got plugged into BASIC right away, and it's a decision I'm super grateful for. My freshman year of college was when that grief started to set in. I look back at my freshman year of college and describe it as a very deep charcoal gray because I was feeling this overwhelming darkness in my soul that I didn't understand. I slept on my friend's futon in her dorm room most nights because I couldn't handle being alone in my own room. I needed to be with people who loved me unconditionally and would sit with me in those gut-wrenching, heartbreaking moments. I needed people to remind me to laugh, and I needed people to go get ice cream with me. <laughs> and those late nights are when I felt the safest. Those intense conversations are when I started to heal in my relationship with my dad. And throughout college, that darkness started to lift. I really leaned in to my people, and I started to figure out who I was and who I wanted to be. I was no longer afraid of being the girl who had been through all of the messy stuff, and I started okay with just being me. I graduated from UNI in 2018 and went to Minnesota State University Mankato for grad school in communication sciences and disorders. When the pandemic hit, I was in my last semester of grad school, and my summer internship got canceled because of COVID, and so when everyone else's life seemed to stop, mine was actually moving like a million miles a minute because I had to make sure I still graduated on time. <laughs> and I did it. In August of 2020, I graduated with my master's degree, and after working up in the Minneapolis area for about a year, I ended up moving back to the Cedar Valley in May of 2021, and I do not plan on leaving any time soon. <laughs> okay, now that was a lot of timelines and logistics, but there's so much more to my life and my story than that. So now I'm gonna share, you, share with you some of my passions to remind you that I'm a person too. And I now realize that God created each of us uniquely, and so it's important to pay attention to our passions because this is how we get to see God at work in our lives. So these pieces of my life that I'm going to share are how I dealt with all of this stuff. <laughs> Psalm 139:14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. Now, in the midst of junior high and high school, uh, when all of this stuff was going on, I was still trying to be a normal teenage girl. I played club basketball growing up, but I stopped playing after my ninth grade season because I was not very good. I just liked making friends. And I started running track in seventh grade and cross country in 10th. I loved running. Don't get me wrong, though, I still was not very good at this by any means, uh, but I loved pushing my new body my body to new limits, setting PRs, encouraging my teammates, um, building incredibly deep relationships through those long runs and excruciating workouts. And running has always been an important part of my life, but when I had ACL surgery a little over a year ago, my lifestyle of running and working out came to a halt. Um, after being hospitalized for staph infection and having to do daily infusions for 
six weeks last summer with a midline in, uh, I can finally say that just right now, I am healthy enough to get back into running, and I can successfully report that I can run for two minutes at a time. Woo! <laughs> in high school, I really struggled with my relationship with my body. I had a calorie counting app, and I would have this competition with myself where I would try to burn more calories in a day than I would consume, and I always tried to stay below 1,000 calories. If I went over, I would be so angry with myself that I would do an extra workout after track or cross-country practice. And this obsession with weight and physical appearance got so bad uh, that when I moved home from Minnesota, a person who cares for me deeply actually had to take my scale away from me because I was weighing myself multiple times a day. And Jesus has done some really great healing in this area of my life because I now have that scale back in my room. I haven't taken it out of the box in months. I consistently eat three meals a day, and when the doctor told me that I gained 10 pounds in the last year, I actually celebrated because I realized that I was regaining muscle during my ACL recovery. Thank you, Jesus. In high school, I could be described as a fangirl because I was obsessed with Justin Bieber and One Direction and Five Seconds of Summer. I went to a ton of concerts. In college, my best friend and I wanted to go see Justin Bieber super bad for the second time, so I actually skipped class just so we could buy the tickets. Uh, it was definitely worth it, so don't worry. <laughs> and that fangirl part of me definitely still exists because I get to go see Taylor Swift for the second time this June, and I'm fully prepared to shed some tears. <laughs> okay, the part you have all been waiting for, my relationship with Jesus. John 4, 14. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, my biological mom, Lisa, really wanted me to go to Catholic school. She grew up in a very Catholic family, and God was a very active part of her life. And church was not really my parents' jam, uh, so they decided to compromise and send me to Wednesday night CCD programming instead. I don't have any memories of my biological mom, but I still have a relationship with her side of the family. And some of them are here this morning too, and I'm super grateful. But there's always something different about that side of the family. They all have very real, personal, devoted relationships with Jesus. And I couldn't figure that out for myself during my time in the Catholic Church, but I think I stuck with it for so long until I was confirmed my junior year of high school because I wanted what they had. I wanted that light, that joy, that peace. I felt like if I stopped going, then I would disappoint my biological mom and her family. But I wanted to honor her. And sticking with confirmation, helped me feel like I could have a relationship with her even though she had passed away years before. I wanted what she had, a real spiritual connection with Jesus. I just didn't know how to get it. At the beginning of my senior year of high school, one of my best friends invited me to the beginning of the year kickoff for Big House, which is our high school ministry. 
I said yes and ended up joining a small group. On the very first night of Big House, we sang the song, We Will Run, and I cried because I didn't realize that Jesus music could like have guitars and drums and like people that sing really, really well. So see, God met me both in my passions for running and for being a fangirl in this moment. So thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the power of invitation continued to transform my life. A girl that I ran cross country with and went to One Direction concerts with encouraged me to go on Big House's relation trip to God's Mountain during the spring break of my senior year of high school. It was in the back of that 12 passenger van from this trip that I surrendered my life to Jesus. I vividly remember writing in my journal, Jesus, I give all that I know of myself to all that I know of you. The summer after my senior year of high school, I went on Caravan, which is another week-long relation trip with Big House. I got second place in the worst sunburn competition after spending a day in line to go parasailing. <laughs> and I also got to live intimately close with my best friends, and we got to talk about Jesus for seven straight days. It was an experience that I will never forget. And like I said, when I went to UNI, I committed to basic right off the bat. And Jesus did some really great work in my heart during undergrad. I was in a small group, I led a college-age small group, and I was the leader of events team, which meant that I got to plan really fun hangouts for after basic on Thursday nights. I also led a small group at Chaos for all three years at UNI. And one of my students from that small group is now our intern at basic, and she shared her story at the Maundy Thursday service a few weeks ago. So, nice work, Jesus. We also did a basic in Mankato while I was in grad school, and it was so much fun. It allowed me to bridge this gap between this like Jesus-loving community that I had from home and my new friends that I was developing in Minnesota. But now, I am navigating how to have a life in the midst of adulting and trying to figure out how Jesus works in all of that. And let me tell you, it is way harder than I ever anticipated. <laughs> in college, I constantly had people asking me about Jesus and my relationship with him. Like, I'm not kidding you, literally like five to six times a week, it was just how, how it was. But entering the workforce, this is not my reality. Uh, I'm grateful to have one coworker who will intentionally ask me about my relationship with Jesus because she tries to live for him in the same way that I do. And my friends and I have to ask each other about our relationships with Jesus as well because it's so easy to push him into the sidelines of our crazy busy lives. Add in all of the other components of adulting like navigating a breakup, watching my friends get married and have babies and buy houses and dogs and question why that's not what God has in store for me right now. Creating a lifestyle with Jesus in the center of it feels rough some days and super easy the next. But I'm super grateful for all that I learned during my time at Big House and Basic because these foundations laid the foundation, these ministries <laughs> laid the foundation for my relationship with Jesus. Which brings me to my why. Matthew 17, 20. Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, 
you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So why do I volunteer with BASIC? I mean, they get paid in pizza, I get paid in pizza, it's great. But also, this ministry changed my life. It gave me my best friends and my mentors. And some of my favorite moments from college were in Lang Hall or here at Orchard. And I want BASIC to create the foundation for other young adults to go and live their lives for Jesus, too. I recently read a book called Find Your People by Jenny Allen, and in there she writes that serving reminds you, before you resent the church too much, that you are part of it. You are the church. And I believe in our mission at BASIC, and I show up every week because I've seen how this ministry firsthand changes the lives of young adults. And I want to support the work that he is doing in the lives of next generations. Serving at BASIC gives me a glimpse of the work that Jesus is doing to bless a broken world. And let me tell you, hearts are being transformed. Okay, why did I become an SLP? I love to help people. I love the human body. I love the intricacies of the brain. I love to laugh and blow bubbles and have dance parties. I love to spend time with kids. I love to learn. I love to solve problems. I love to be efficient. I really loved high school English class and I wanted to work in a field that was related but a little bit more medical. My job is hard. The world of education is intense right now. But being a speech language pathologist also gives me life. It combines all of the things that I love most in this world, and it pays the bills, which is great too. <laughs> I'm so thankful for how Jesus has been at work in my life. Through my history, my family tree, my passions, and my current whys. I've thought about how Jesus has been in work, at work in all of these areas, and I have some final thoughts. Jesus has provided healing in my relationship with my dad, in my relationship with my biological mom, and in my relationship with food and my body. Jesus has revealed to me time and time again that he loves me and that all he wants is for me to love him in return. Jesus has changed my life, but these heart changes didn't always feel big. Sometimes he showed up in the small moments, like when one of my best friends opened a paint can to help me and my roommates paint the porch of our old college house. But I felt this overwhelming presence of my dad in this moment because he would have loved to have helped us and to have met my best friends. For years, I could not wrap my mind around why God would allow moms to have cancer or dads to fight depression and alcoholism. For years, the question, why do bad things happen to good people, ran through my mind. For years, I was angry and hurt. For years, I did not want to understand who Jesus was or what he had done for me. I knew that if I had let him in, I would have to feel the feels, and I was not ready for that. I didn't want to truly know myself yet 
because I had this fear of vulnerability and releasing control. But we can only know Jesus as intimately as we know ourselves. And it took time for me to want to know myself that deeply. But luckily, Jesus placed people and events in my life that changed my heart little by little. I went from screaming and crying every single time I thought about my dad to smiling and laughing when I get to remember the joyful moments that we did get to share. I went from being terrified of being known as the girl whose dad had died to being so confident in the work that Jesus has done in my life that I'm up on the stage sharing all of this with all of you. I have forgiven my dad for all of the pain that he caused because I realized that he was facing more darkness than I will ever be able to understand. And I have found peace in knowing that my parents get to spend eternity with Jesus. God knows pain and suffering, but he also knows joy and excitement. And living your life loving him and being loved by him will not make the overwhelming waves go away, but it will give you the hope, the peace, and the comfort that you need to learn to float. And this is important, so I'm going to say it again. Listen closely. Living your life, loving Jesus, and being loved by Jesus will not make the overwhelming waves go away, but it will give you the hope, the peace, and the comfort that you need to learn to float. Jesus knows and he sees your hearts as well. And this doesn't go unnoticed. He doesn't just want you on your best days. He wants you on your worst days too. Jesus wants every single part of you every single day. Thank you. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for Amber. Thank you for her story. Thank you for protecting her, especially during those early years of her life. Uh, so much loss, so much tragedy, so much disappointment. Thank you for putting people in her life, family, friends, who could encourage her, through which you spoke to her, you made yourself known to her, and she came to know you. Uh, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for um, our student ministry programs um, that left such a mark on her life, and that she then in turn found a place to serve and to give of herself to others in some really significant ways. Thank you for that. Thank you for her boldness and her courage to share her story honestly with us this morning. Um, and I pray, God, that as we have listened, that we've thought about how you have encouraged us, how we've had encounters with you in our lives. So help us, God, this morning to make a decision to give all that we know of ourselves to all that we know about you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name.